these. So these are where the questions come from. This yeah. is where it stems from. This is what makes it fun. I mean, it's worth it to not get caught for murder. Welcome back to Creepy Campfire, your source for all things strange, the unexplainable, the infamous, and the mysterious. Here are your hosts, Jordan and Ryan. Hey everybody, Ryan jumping in real fast before we get stuff started. I did make a few errors in this episode. Uh, I got a few of the king's names in France wrong. Uh, We were bouncing back and forth between French and Roman numerals, and apparently my brain just couldn't take it. Um, So when we get to talking about the King Louis, I'm talking specifically in order about King Louis the 15th and King Louis the 16th. Sorry about any confusion that that pops up, but that's the ones we're talking about. Enjoy the show. Hello, Jordan. How are you doing today? Doing very well. Trying to stay hydrated. How are you, Ryan? Um, unfortunately, causing you to have to be more hydrated because my house is a sauna. It's well. I mean, it's not. It's not the worst. I mean, my our apartment gets crazy hot really quick because of the super high ceiling. So. Yeah, but it's it sucks and your AC's not kicking back. It's though. not. So it's like only a hundred today, mm-hmm. and it's <laughs> only a hundred. Only a hundred outside. Eighty-five inside. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be like 110 all weekend. No. Yeah. So I think we're going to be doing some outside adventures um, to like Tahoe or something. That sucks. Yeah, I try to beat that heat. Yeah. Um, but we're making it. Other yeah. than that, doing good. Getting through. Yeah. Uh, crazy earthquake just a little bit ago. That I'm, I, well, I mean, I guess I'm not sorry you didn't feel it, but it was interesting. I've only been through... That was probably the most... Like, not that it was intense, but it was probably the most intense one I've ever felt. What did? What was it like? Uh, well, I mean, I was just... Because I'm working from home, so I've mm-hmm. got two, three monitors in front of me. And all of a sudden, I like I thought somebody was, like, jumping up and down on the stairs outside of our mm-hmm. apartment. Like, running up mm-hmm. for some reason. But uh, it's my, my monitors are literally, like, shaking around, and I'm just... And then I feel like my my chair start to shake underneath me. I'm like, oh, okay, that's not Oof. what's going on. Uh, and then Cassie comes through the door, and I'm like, hey, do you feel that earthquake? Like that's happening like right now? And she's like, no, I was running up the stairs. I was like, well, everybody in motion. <laughs> everybody in motion is not gonna feel it. But yeah, I was in the in the car on the commute home, so no earthquake for me. Yeah. Um, I oh. hope everybody's in Stockton okay. In Stockton is okay. Yeah, I haven't. I mean, I've only barely just heard about it, so I didn't hear about any damage or anything. You haven't heard anything too crazy, other than our internet being out. Yeah. Go Comcast. <laughs> <laughs> Number one service provider in the greater Sacramento area. Yeah. It's hard to say that with a straight face. So, what have you been up to lately? Working. Uh, trying to sell our Funko Pops. Yes, that's right. Tell them your pages and... Funko's Gotta Go on Instagram. Uh, my wife and I are trying to get some rid of... We have a amassed a pretty good collection over the last four years. He says it like it's a bad thing. It's very cool, and there's very cool collections, like full sets of things. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just like it's kind of in between there, mm-hmm. so it's like the we we went really hard on some stuff and not so much on the other. But um, we just were trying to get a bigger spot, and we don't want to go into it with already thinking that we're going to devote a room to them. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to offload some of them, keep the ones that we really want to, and yeah, make a little bit of money back, hopefully. Mm-hmm. So 
We're going to start selling those on the 1st. So check us out. Funko's got to go on Instagram. Uh, and I think we'll probably be posting on Facebook too. So Yeah, so we'll check that out if you like anything. Um, reach out to them there on that Instagram. Yeah, yeah. But besides that, not whole, not a whole lot. Um, playing some games, getting the... Oh yeah, tell them, uh, have you started streaming your, uh, your gaming yet? Not yet. I have my second monitor coming in hopefully Monday. That's when they say it's supposed to be here. Uh, so I'll be able to have like the chat there and then the game on the other. Yeah, you're going to so be a hopefully. multi-platform uh, digital star. There. Yeah, well, that's the goal here. I mean, kind of, I suppose. I'm just trying to get out there in more ways and uh, make a little bit more. Do what you love and make a little bit doing it? Yeah, well, yeah, not just, yeah, exactly. If I'm going to be doing devoting a couple hours to that every day anyways, why not like try to yeah and be a little bit more interactive with people in the meantime? Mm-hmm. It's going to be cool. So. Yeah, so once that gets up and going, we'll give you guys Jordan's... Uh, handles and all of that for you to because it'll be twitch right yeah yeah mm-hmm. so for you for twitch. you guys to check it out um yeah it's gonna be a good time lots of fun things lots of lots of uh, irons on the fire well i guess but keep yeah. keeping the days full what about you besides this work and trying not to die in this heat you know between being out inside in it all day and then coming home and your ac not working we're gonna we're gonna brave disneyland to the end of the month yes be- end of this one beginning of the next one Swish, oh, slish, slash, yeah, mm-hmm. like, yeah, um, yeah. So just really looking forward to that. It's a good time. It's just the weekend, right? Yeah, the just a little, just a little quick weekend trip. Uh, most people think that's all you need for Disneyland. You're wrong. It's true. I mean, I mean that might be okay can, for one part. You can like get it done, but you can't like leisurely get it done. No, you got to like put work in. Mm-hmm. which we will and we will love it Gonna but going with the plan yeah i know it's hard to like that's why you it's beneficial to have the more days so that you mm-hmm. can somewhat you know take your time when you want to and go hard when you want to and you know people don't people don't <laughs> i know i know there's a lot of people that know disney like we do but i'm sure i know there's so many that there's don't. a strategy to it yeah you gotta strategize mm-hmm. that's for sure it's the biggest thing yeah if you go that's... in unprepared you're like well you yeah Mm-hmm. You can't have a good time. It depends on who you're with. Well, <laughs> yeah. but that's it for me. Other than that, just uh, listening in on things about this Hope Diamond that we're going to be talking about tonight. Yeah. Well, uh, I, you, I'm not really aware of anything around that. Yeah. it's the So we are talking about the Curse of the Hope Diamond, if you couldn't already tell by the episode title that you've clicked on. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's interesting. I was uh, listening to a little... Uh, a little program about it and i was like this is cool because I, I don't know why i like curses but i always find them interesting mm-hmm. um and we haven't done one i don't think since episode two with king tut i think you're correct you're you have yeah. done the only curse episode so far i need to get one in gear so we're we got a, a little catch up with that but this one's a fun one and it's also i think i like them because they're also history heavy mm-hmm. and i love history well, so, yeah, I mean, there's always some object that changes hands a lot of times, or is, well, I mean, especially this one, mm-hmm. which, again, I I guess that's the only way I'd heard about it. The only context I have mm-hmm. is that it's, I know that a lot of big people, big names have come to um, not own it, but mm-hmm. have it for periods of time. Right. But, yeah, it's, it's crazy, especially mm-hmm. when something, it's tied to a physical object like that. I'm, I'm excited. Exactly, excited. and it's not even just like a like a holy grail mm-hmm. or something that is an object, but one we don't know where it's at. Yeah. 
this one we know exactly where it's at we've seen it people have touched it mm-hmm. unfortunately it seems like it's a bad idea but it's yeah it's something you can literally go see pretty sure it's in the smithsonian right now i did not know we that. will find out as we read okay <laughs> but last i heard that's where it was okay so thanks to the uh, Smithsonian Institute, we've got a, a, a little overview history here um, we'll do, um, and we might add in some more facts here and there, um, but we'll talk about the victims of the Hope Diamond, but first we're going to just talk about the general history of it. Gotcha. A little background. Mm-hmm. So again, coming from Smithsonian, si.edu. We got an edu, finally. Yeah. Not a com. Trustable, a, trustable source. Yeah. Hopefully. Well, I mean, when they're not hiding giant bones. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Throwback. The history of the stone, which was eventually named the Hope Diamond, began when the French merchant traveler Jean-Baptiste Tavernier, I think I nailed French there, mm-hmm. purchased a... Jean-Baptiste was great. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know what the last bit was. I'd have to see it. So he purchased a 112 and 316 carat diamond, blue diamond to be specific which was most likely from the collar mine in Golconda, India, was somewhat triangular in shape and crudely cut. Its color was described by Tavernier as a beautiful violet. Um, Now, at the time he had found it, India was pretty much the end-all, be-all for diamonds, and a lot of gemstones, period, came from India. Okay. Um, There wasn't, because, like, of course we know a lot of uh, diamond mines in Africa. I think South America also has a lot of diamond mines. Um, but at the time he found it, that was it. It was India was where you went to get them. Yeah. And we'll go into the Indian uh, myth around diamonds in a little bit. But let's finish with our, our overview. Yeah, one thing at a time here. We're good. <laughs> Tavernier sold the diamond to King Louis the... Come on, Roman noodles, numerals. 14th. Oh, you had to math it out, right? Yeah, I had to math it out. That, woo. Okay. Uh, of France in 1668 with 14 other large diamonds and several smaller ones. In 1673, the stone was recut by Sierre Petau, the court jeweler, resulting in a 67 and 1 8 carat stone. The royal inventories, its color was described as an intense steely blue, and the stone became known as the Blue Diamond of the Crown, or the French Blue. It was set in gold and suspended on a neck ribbon, which the king wore on ceremonial occasions. So it became the French uh, royal royal jewels. When? In sixteen seventy three. It's been around that long. Oh yeah. And then but think about the math on this. He almost cut that thing in half. It started as hundred and twelve carats and he cut it down to sixty seven. That's still what what a huge Oh it's massive. And we'll get into some oh size comparisons God. so that way you can get your head around it. But like I understand when they found it it was really rough. Yeah. Because crudely cut, as they say. Right. So he shaped it out to what we imagine most diamond shapes to be. Mm-hmm. But to cut almost half of it off, that seems like such a waste. Well, I'm I'm hoping that they were able to maybe chunk some of that out and like do other things with it, yeah. depending on how much of it is usable. It still just feels like such a waste, because it's like you have the world's biggest diamond, you just cut it in half, and it might not be the biggest anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a jeweler, so I also don't know how the cutting process works. I don't either. I don't know how much. I don't know how much how, how much work goes into that. So King Louis V, not the 5th, King Louis the 15th, 
1749, had the stone reset by court jeweler André Jacquemin in a piece of ceremonial, ceremonial jewelry for the Order of the Golden Fleece. In 1791, after an attempt by Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette to flee France, the jewels of the French royal treasury were turned over to the government. During a week-long looting of the crown jewels in September of, of 1792, the French blue diamond was stolen. In 1812, a deep blue diamond described by Jean Francillon as weighing 177 grains, and one, four grains equals one carat, okay. was documented as being in the possession of London diamond merchant Daniel Eliasson. Eliason? Eliason. The names are killing me. So it was missing for about close to 20 years there? Close to, and then it popped back up in England, which we all know that rivalry is pretty, it goes deep. Yeah. Strong evidence indicates that the stone was recut, was the recut French blue, and the same stone known today as the Hope Diamond. So we started as the French blue, now we call it the Hope Diamond. Several references suggest that it was acquired by King George IV of the UK. At his death in 1830, the king's debts were so enormous that the blue diamond was likely sold through private channels. The first reference to the diamond's next owner is found in the 1839 entry of the gem collection catalog of the well-known Henry Philip Hope, the man from whom the diamond takes its name. Unfortunately, the catalog does not reveal where or from whom Hope acquired the diamond or how much he paid for it. Hmm. Following the death of Henry Philip Hope in 1839, and after much litigation, the diamond passed to his nephew, Henry Thomas Hope, and ultimately to his nephew's grandson, Lord Francis Hope. In 1901, Lord Francis Hope obtained permission from the Court of Chancery and his sisters to sell the stone to help pay off his debts. A lot of broke people selling this diamond. Yeah. It was sold to a London dealer who quickly sold it to Joseph Frankel's and Sons of New York City, who retained the stone in New York until they, in turn, needed cash. They go into the debt. They go into debt like buying the stone and then they just have to turn yep. around and sell it again. And then they're just, well. The diamond was next sold to Salim Habib, who put it up for auction in Paris in 1909. It did not sell at the auction, but was sold soon after to C.H. Rosenau and then resold to Pierre Cartier. Car Car I did that right? Cartier? Cartier? Mm -hmm. That one. The one you're thinking. That one. The famous one. Cartier. Uh, Car yeah, yeah. I think so. <laughs> I think so. Cartier? Cartier? In 1910, the Hope Diamond was shown to Miss Evelyn Walsh McLean of Washington, D.C. at Cartier's in Paris, but she did not like the setting. Cartier had the diamond reset and took it to U.S. where he left it with Miss McLean for a weekend. This strategy was successful. The sale was made in 1911 with the diamond mounted as a headpiece on a three-tiered circle of large white diamonds. Sometime later, it became the pendant on a diamond necklace as we know it today. Mrs. McLean's flamboyant ownership of the stone lasted until her death in 1947. Okay, that brings it up. Harry Winston, Inc. of New York City purchased Miss McLean's entire jewelry collection, including the Hope Diamond, from her estate in 1949. This collection also included the 94.8 carat Star of the East Diamond, the 15 carat Star of the South Diamond, and 9 carat Green Diamond, and a 31 carat Diamond, which is now called the McLean Diamond. 
Jeez. I hope it's not McLean, and I'm just have said that wrong 37 <sighs> times. For the, so much yeah. jewelry, and I would hate to see what that price tag is. I can't even imagine. Like, and he went and bought it all. Ma'am. Okay. Yeah, she liked her jewels. For the next 10 years, the Hope Diamond was shown at many exhibits and charitable events worldwide by Harry Winston, Inc., including the central attraction of their Court of Jewels exhibition. On November 10, 1958, they donated the Hope Diamond to the Smithsonian Institute, and almost immediately the Great Blue Stone became its premier attraction. The Hope Diamond has left the Smithsonian only four times since it was donated. In 1962, it was exhibited for a month at the Louvre. I feel like I'm questioning everything. The The Louvre. Louvre. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Louvre in Paris, France. I don't want to be that uncultured swine that can't say the Louvre. (laughs) No, it's the Louvre. I know. What is it? it, Like, there's an R after the V? Yes, which I know. Like, I've seen it before, but I've never read it out loud. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's the only thing I can think of with it. Yeah, but... As part of an exhibit entitled Ten Centuries of French Jewelry, in 1965, the Hope Diamond traveled to South Africa, where it was exhibited at the Rand Easter Show in Johannesburg. In 1984, the diamond was lent to Harry Winston, Inc. in New York as a part of the firm's 50th anniversary celebration. In 1996, the Hope Diamond was again sent to Harry Winston, Inc. in New York, this time for cleaning and some minor restoration. Hmm. The weight of the Hope Diamond for many years was reported to be 44.5 carats. So that's down from that cut when it was... From 67.4? Yes. I think. In 1974, it was removed from its setting and found actually to weigh 45.52 carats. It is classified as a type 2B diamond, which are semiconductive and usually phosphorescent. The Hope Diamond phosphorescence a strong red color, which will last for several seconds after exposure to shortwave ultraviolet light. The diamond's blue coloration is attributed to trace amounts of boron in the stone. So if you expose it to that UV light, it'll it turns blood red. It turns red. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. And, and the, the pendant, boron makes it blue. Gotcha. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the boron that's in it is what causes that I reaction. See. I see. In the pendant surrounding the Hope Diamond are 16 white diamonds, both pear-shaped and cushion-cut. A bale is soldered to the pendant where the Miss McLean would often attach her diamonds, including the McLean Diamond and the Star of the East. The necklace chain contained 45 white diamonds. In December of 1988, a team from the Gemological Institute of America visited the Smithsonian to grade the Great Blue Stone using present-day techniques. They observed that the gem shows evidence of wear, has a remarkably strong phosphorescence, and that its clarity is slightly affected by a whitish graining which is common to blue diamonds. They describe the color as a fancy dark grayish blue. I like that fancy is part of what they described it. <laughs> That's part of the color? Yeah. It's a fancy dark grayish blue. That's all. An examination on the same day by another gemologist using a very sensitive calorimeter revealed that there is a slight violent component to the deep blue color, which is imperceptible to the naked eye. Still, one can only wonder that the original 112-carat stone bought by Tavernier was described as un bon violet, a beautiful violet. A beautiful violet. Un bon violet? I can't do it again. No? I can't. Okay, I'll make you. (laughs) The Smithsonian broke me. Oh, man. (laughs) 
between the names and the oh my the, lord and the seven dollar words oh um so that's the history of it the general history we'll we'll go into a little bit more deep dives into some sections as we go but so the last time it was out and about was 96 yes interesting yeah i had no idea that the smithsonian had it that's so cool though um so yeah it's already yeah it's traded hands so many times that's interesting i wonder how bad the wear is on it and what's perceptible or well let me show you what it looks like and you can you can see for yourself I just can't even imagine that. Oh, wow. That's crazy. That had to be so heavy. That lady wore it on her head. It's like, like I'm wondering how. Like, well, it was, it was the, set in a... Was it like a tiara Like thing? a crown tiara fashion. And she most often wore it as a necklace. But like, wherever you put that, that's heavy. Yeah. Yeah, it's weighing your shoulders down a little bit. You mm-hmm. get a little slouch to you. But like that's the kind but of you're weight worth that you're not mad about. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's nuts. I wonder how much. I wonder where the other pieces of it ended up getting off to. That's yeah. Um, I think they've traced a few down because you could take. I mean, you've taken such big hunks off of that. You can refashion them into smaller diamonds. Yeah. Um, but no one's quite sure. Because even when when so when it went missing from France when it got stolen when it was part of the royal jewels mm-hmm. and turned somewhere between then and when it turned back up in London it was another twenty carats were shaved off of it no one knows who did it or who recut it yeah so no one knows where those sections went that's crazy it's still like one of the biggest mm-hmm. most notable diamonds ever right at least let's see where it ranks. I guess I'd never really heard of any of the other ones that uh, McLean, Mc, McLean had. Star of the North. Or North, yeah, Star of the North, Star of the South. Star of the East. Yeah, it doesn't even rank top 10. Because um, the 10th largest is uh, 203 carats. Wow. And it's been shaved down so much now, it's only... 45 a little over 45 carats the hope diamond the hope diamond yes um just one of the more popular for sure mm -hmm. it's had more yeah one of the the biggest history behind it for sure Mm -hmm. good lord it's crazy we can trace it back that far though the biggest diamond is 545 carats what do you even do with that carry it like a football Although I feel like that would be quite a bit bigger. So just for reference, the average carat size stone uh, for an engagement ring is 1.08 carats. So this thing is 45, and at one point was 112 Mm -hmm. engagement rings. And a pretty high grade, I Mm -hmm. think, too, at least at one point. Over time, it looks sounds like that's dwindled a little bit but a little bit a little bit as do all things so now i want to know why it changed hands so many times right so before we do that we're going to talk about the origins of where the diamond came from to start with awesome okay so as we said it had uh, originated in india mm-hmm. um so this is coming to us just a brief early history from wikipedia 
Several accounts based on remarks written by French, French gem merchant Jean-Baptiste Tavernier, who obtained the gem in India in 1666, suggest that the gemstone originated in India in the Collar Mine in the Gunter district of Andhra, Andhra Pradesh, which at the time was part of the... Oh, I can't say that kingdom. I'm very sorry. Oh, that's kind of the same issue I had last time. Mm-hmm. <sighs> It is unclear who had initially owned the gemstone, where it had been found, by whom, and in what condition. But the first historical records suggest that Tavernier attained the stone in 1666, possibly by theft. Tavernier brought it to Paris, uh, where then, soon after we talk about it, got cut and was given to several kings of France, and mm-hmm. on and on and on. Um, there is a little bit of a... Uh, a myth where he like Indiana Jones style was in a temple and found it in a statue of a of a of a Hindi god and he just took it from the statue um, I've heard it that it was in its hands or it was one of the eyes of the statue and he just plucked it yeah um, which obviously would give you all kinds of bad juju yeah not good vibes going forward like booby trapped kind yeah. of thing yeah oh my gosh um, and so he's there's you know the more Indiana Jones legends that he he stole it from a temple, um, but a lot of people think he just paid somebody off and bought it. Mm-hmm. He was a gem collector, had the flow like that, um, but it's unclear where he got it. We just know he was the first one to get it. And that, that was sixty six, sixteen sixty six. That's crazy. So long ago. So uh, the the overall view in the Indian country of origin. Uh, Originally known only in India, before eventually brought to Europe by Alexander the Great, sometime after 325 BC, diamonds were used in religious ceremonies in their natural rough and not pretty shape, pretty state. To alter any gem further was to bring bad luck, presumably because it was practically impossible and so would anger the gods by mocking their supremacy. However, the ancients were perfectly aware that nothing scratches a diamond except for another diamond, and so a process known as brooding was often used to clean a stone to make it more desirable, but in a subtle rather than an extravagant way. Yeah, it's kind of crazy where they were like, yeah, this is the only stuff that's going to work, so we gotta, we got to use it against it. Right, but they still didn't believe in altering it because they believe it came from the gods... And anytime you believe that, of course, you don't want to screw with it. Yeah. You know, you don't want to bring their wrath. Keeping it in its most natural form. Absolutely. And you're in some, I've read some myths where altering them just will dull the power that you get from said gemstone. Mm-hmm. Or it will bring wrath upon you. Which, as we're about to read, these victims might have incurred a little bit of wrath. Ooh, the curse. The curse. So... By one of our old tried and true favorites, Mendel Floss, we've got ten victims of the Hope Diamond Curse. That's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. So we have the original founder, or finder, of Jean-Baptiste Chavernier. The story goes that French gem merchant Jean-Baptiste came down with a raging fever soon after stealing the diamond, and after he died, his body was possibly ravaged by wolves. However, other reports show that he lived until the ripe old age of 84, so, you taking this one for yourself. I do know... Possibly ravaged by wolves. So, Jean, ba- Jean Baptiste went to France, of course, to sell the diamond. Yeah. Um, but after he was found in a grave in Russia, 
So how did he turn up in Russia from France? Okay. What caused him to go there might have been his curse in itself. Hmm. Not saying that anyone going to Russia is cursed, but that's a big life change. And for no one to hear from, like no one heard from him, period, since he got rid of the diamond, which is why a lot of people thought he died. But he really did die. Like he died later on, but still, I'm like his life circumstances might have been the curse itself. He just went to kick it in Russia. Interesting. Then we have King Louis the Fourteenth. King Louis the Fourteenth bought the stone from Tavernier and had it recut in 1673. And also, I just thought about this: How often do we hear about ghost stories ramping up after people do renovations to houses? Uh huh. Doing renovations to this diamond. Yeah, whenever you're changing Stop it. Stop messing with things. Angering the gods. Yeah. Is this, is this pretty much... Um, in chronological? Yes. Um, I think so, more or less. As far as how it changed hands? Right. Cool. Okay. So King Louis Fourteenth bought the stone from Tavernier, had it recut in 1673. It was then known as the Blue Diamond of the Crown, or the French Blue. King Louis died of gangrene, and all his legitimate children died in childhood except for one. So all his kids died. Him and all of his kids died? Yeah. Yeah. Was that like right after he got the stone? Or like how long did it take him to die after he Uh that I don't know. Is it right after he got But I'd be cut? pissed if I died from something like gangrene. Yeah. Yeah, well I mean I don't I'm not sure how treatable it was then. So but I also can't, I like your what they would king. do what they do to treat it now. Well, yeah, you would think you get the best. So you don't you shouldn't even be in a situation where you're being wounded to get infected to get gangrene. That's true. You step on like a... <laughs> like what? I, I can only think of like a knife or something around the house. I don't have like push pins or anything like that. Into the history. We're good. A little behind the scenes here, everybody. Apparently, we stopped recording. So the curse of the Hope Diamond stroke, stroke. It's, it's, it's stroking me out right now. Oh, God. <laughs> it's uh. a long day, man. You're sweating. So I read through 10 people that died from this thing, and it cut out right before then. So we're going to go back through them again. We got this. Round two. King Louis IV. King Louis IV bought the stone from Tavernier and had it recut in 1673. It was then known as the French Blue Diamond of the Crown or the French Blue. King Louis died of gangrene, and all of his legitimate children died in childhood except for one. To be fair, of the times, medicine wasn't is isn't what it was today. Wasn't what it is today. That's the one. So that was kind of common, but still, for all of your kids to die, but one. Plus, I like. I was gonna say, I like how they specify all of his legitimate children. Right. <laughs> There's a few maybes that we can't count in this, but uh. Yeah. They didn't die, so they're fine. <laughs> they're good. And then he got off to buy gangrene. How does a king die from gangrene? Because, like, that's an infection, right? Of, so yeah, you would have to get cut to get that infection. So I think so. I can't know. I, I don't know all of the ways it's transmittable, but I feel like getting cut by something and, mm-hmm. and letting that. I just know, it. like, if you get in the woods, like, you you get cut, you don't want to get gangrene. That's yes. all I know. Keep it clean so you in the woods so you don't get gangrene. Yeah, I can't remember if that's the one that starts by, like, turning your toes black and stuff like that. Yeah, I think, I think. it is. Oh, yeah. man. That'd be a way to go. So then we have Nicholas Fouquet. Fouquet? Fouquet. I'm sorry. I'm roll off. Uh, he worked for King Louis IV and is said to have worn the diamond for a special occasion. 
Shortly thereafter, he fell out of favor with the king and was banished from France. The king then changed his sentence to a life imprisonment, so Fouquet spent 15 years in the fortress of Pignerol. Pignerol? Pignerol. I'm trying. P-I-G-N-E-R-O-L. Pignerol. That's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> Some people believe that he was actually the man in the iron mask. There's accounts that dispute it, but no one really knows who he was. Man in the Iron Mask. We don't have to look into that. It's a good one. Um, very earnest re-ask question of you, Jordan, since we're having to redo this. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, it's <laughs> something that we might look into. No, it is. If you guys don't know what it is, it's really interesting. It's a mysterious man who really was imprisoned. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of reports say that he wore an iron mask as a part of his sentencing, so no one could know his identity, and the king ordered him not to speak to anyone, not even the guards or the other prisoners during his imprisonment. But we don't know if those timelines line up. We don't. I don't have the exact dates. I think, well, it lines up for the king, because that was the king that sentenced the uh, the prisoner to that. Okay. Yeah, so the king does line up, um, but his years of imprisonment I'm not sure of. I gotcha. But it's a real interesting story. So if y'all want to hear us do that, let us know. But um, And he must have just touched it. I mean, if he didn't even get to own it for a minute. You yeah. said, he, well, maybe well, he, he got to handle it. He wore it on a, on special occasions. Yeah. That's so interesting. He worked for the king, and the king was just like, sure, go show off for your friends mm-hmm. or something? Something. <laughs> Come on, man. I've, like, she's so this pretty. This is going to get me laid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just five minutes. In just five minutes. In <laughs> Oh, I won't, don't worry. You're not going to die of gangrene. It's fine. It's yeah, fine. no. I mean, you're much more likely of an STD back then. <laughs> oh, syphilis. <laughs> okay. So number four and five was King Louis VI and Marie Antoinette, which we know how badly that ended. Yeah, I think in somewhere in my bloodline, we're supposed to be related to Marie Antoinette. Sorry. Marie. No, it's okay. It's, <laughs> you know, I'll take it. Take it or leave it. Um... I mean, she got her just desserts, you know. I think. But uh, I don't know how much of their death we can attribute to the curse. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, because I know that she was not known to be the nicest. Queen. And I, I don't believe he he either. I don't think so. Yeah, bad bad rulership. Yeah. Uh, but then, I mean, we can we could say maybe the diamond is because uh, at this point it was already in the royal jewel archive of France. Mm-hmm. They inherited inherited it so you know maybe maybe it's uh twisting people's minds up a little bit just having ownership of it causing a little bit of greed a little bit of power hungry between that or just uh straight madness you know who knows just slow madness slow madness the good kind the best kind. the best kind <laughs> you want your madness slow yeah then we have marie louise princess de lamballe 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 whatever uh, look, I've read these French names. Twice over now. Twice over. <laughs> the first time gave me a stroke. So this is after stroke. No, no, no. Even even better the second time around. So it's Marie refreshing. was a member of Marie Antoinette's court and was her closest confidant. She was killed by a mob in a most horrific fashion. Apparently hit with a hammer, decapitated, stripped, disemboweled, and other things that we won't mention. I was going to say, there must be an et cetera coming at some point. There was. Uh, her head was impaled on a pike and carried to Marie Antoinette's prison window. Oh, that'd be so messed up. Just your See best your friend's head. friend just, yeah, chilling there. Yeah, that's cold. That 
that's rough. I don't think anybody deserves that. Jeez. Well, especially not just for handling a diamond. I don't know. At that point, I'm sure it's probably more her affiliations. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. But then what put her in that circle? Was it fate? Was it fate altered by the diamond? The diamond. Damn you, diamond. Damn diamond. Might as well be blood diamond. Yeah, I mean, it glows red. It does glow red. Then we have number seven, Wilhelm Falls. Wilhelm Falls was a Dutch jeweler who recut the diamond. His son ended up murdering him and then killing himself. And we don't know why? We don't know why, but uh, It's on the savage. diamond. It's on the diamond. But then we have another uh, merchant. We have, so we have a Greek merchant, Simon <sighs> Mayan Shard Rides. It'd make more sense if his last name was Falls. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> so this Greek merchant owned the diamond. His curse, he drove his car over a cliff, killing himself, his wife, and his child. You see that, guys? I kind of gave away the joke because we've been through this already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. It's all good. No, um, that's crazy, though. So two, we have two murder suicides. Two murder suicides, two tyrannical leaders. I'm thinking this might just be making people real big jerks. And Although, that's the power of the diamond. Do we know, like, can we really call the one going over the cliff a murder suicide? did he intend to do it it's that's what it sounds like and i I know you can tell by the way the car was driven off sometimes whether or not it was intentional yeah but what what year is that i'm not aware i'm assuming Um, late 1800s to early 1900s because our next one owned the diamond in 1911 so i'm assuming a late 1800s yeah possibly early mid but 1800s. Well, who knows? I mean, well, cars, when was cars invented? I was That's a say, pretty stupid question. Well, that car, you know, and they could have been uh, still working out the kinks. Yeah. yeah. Could have been could have been a malfunction. Who knows? Foul, foul play. Foul play. The diamond got stuck in something. That's what it was. Couldn't <laughs> yeah. turn the wheel. Got stuck in the spoke or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we laugh at death. That's sad. You know? Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> only, only when we have to talk about it two times. Then we have number nine, Evelyn McLean, or Evelyn McLean. I'm not sure how to say it anymore. Evelyn was a spoiled heiress who lived a charmed life until she bought the Hope Diamond. And before I go into any more of what Mental Floss has to say, her dealing with getting the diamond was crazy. Um, so Cartier had it. Cartier sold it to her. But he, you know, it wasn't just as simple as that. He like had a big enough flex to come over and be like hey you want this diamond and she's like oh i want this that's so so great and he's like cool she's like but i don't like the setting it's in if i'm paying that much money it's got to look nice in what it's set in so redo it to this and i might buy it so he does it comes back and then she changes her mind must be nice to be like get to be that picky about you know, your diamond purchases man i don't like the look of it fix it and then we'll talk <laughs> So he does, and then she's like, you know, I think I changed my mind. I don't know if I want to drop that much on that. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? You take it. This weekend, you just ball out. You go to all the clubs in New York with it. You have it. You enjoy it. I'll see you on Monday, and then we'll talk and see if you want to buy it. He must be really balling out to lend it for a weekend. My God. And it's 45 carats. Like, 
what if she just turns around and sells it? I mean, I'm sure there's paperwork involved, but that's a big risk. Yeah, it is. You know, somebody could have just stolen it from her. Um, I mean, it's disappeared before. Exactly. So, so, well, how much? How much would that have been, even for him to lend out for a weekend? So at the time, uh, it was 180 grand uh, that she purchased it from Cartier in 1911 dollars, which today would be a little over five mil. Jesus. So his plan worked. She bought it. She's like, you know what? You got me. I can't not have this thing. Yeah. And she bought it in one of the the like ballsiest moves i've ever seen how long did he even have it did he just buy it and pretty much just turn around and sell it um i'm not sure for how long that he had it i feel like it wasn't very long um i do know that a ruler i think we discussed in the history tried to auction it didn't sell at auction and then cartier bought it off of them after the auction um, but I, I feel like he flipped it fairly quickly didn't sell an auction interesting right the only thing I can think of is because it was a French royal diamond. Yeah. Maybe people were potentially hoping to rehome it back to France. That makes sense. But I mean, also, it original home was India, so there's that too. Yeah. Um, but people also weren't very considerate of that in 1911. So layers on layers. Yeah. Um. So she happily wore the diamond. There are even stories that she would affix the jewel to her dog's collar and let him wander around the apartment with it. Jordan, like, cringed and neck rolled so hard at that. How are you just going to... Do you have, I mean, if, do you have like a setting on your dog's collar too for that? Yeah. Do you just like, you just pop it out of one and throw it in the other? Well, I just think every time it goes, like, get some water or some food, it's just banging on the floor. Yeah. You know? Dipping it in the water bowl. Oh. Oh. Once you've, I don't know, you want nice things. It's hard to, it's hard to have pets around them yeah. <laughs> sometimes. So, unfortunately, wearing the Hope Diamond came at a steep price. First, her mother-in-law died. Her son died at the age of nine. Her husband left her for another woman and later died in a mental hospital. Her daughter died of a drug overdose at 25, and she eventually had to sell her newspaper, The Washington Post, and died owing huge debts. What? Evelyn's surviving kids sold the diamond to Harry Winston. Nine years later, Winston mailed the gem to the Smithsonian Institute. So, but the guy that sold it to her didn't die, right? Cartier did not. Cartier is probably the only one, I mean, I think... At least not immediately after? Right. By any strange circumstances? He didn't seem to... He seemed to be unscathed. So... Maybe it's just people that were like, didn't that didn't show respect or something. That might know. be it, you know, because he had tremendous respect for, like I know the guy. Yeah. But I mean, he's a fashion icon. Uh huh. So I imagine he would treat things like that with tremendous respect, not like rulers who wanted to flaunt power, or Evelyn, who was a an actress at the time, and I believe former actress, and then owned the Washington Post yeah. due to her family huge mm-hmm. so uh, Harry Winston I know we also don't have any uh, negative stories for anything that happened to him he's who took it over um, was one of her surviving children um, but when he donated it which might have been what absolved him from any wrongdoing because uh-huh. he, he gave it away price free 
he didn't just call up the Smithsonian was like, hey, when can we arrange a meeting? Let me, I got a big suitcase with people guarding it, going to bring it to you. He literally mailed it in a, in a letter, in an envelope to the Smithsonian. He mailed he the mailed Hope Diamond in a A 45-carat diamond in the U.S. Postal Service. That's the most unbelievable part of the whole story. <laughs> and it made it to its destination? Made it just fine. What? That's insane. Mm-hmm. There's no way. It's fake. Well, <laughs> it kind of made it just fine. Okay. So the final man on our list is James Todd. James Todd was the mailman who delivered the diamond to the Smithsonian, and apparently his leg was crushed in a truck accident shortly after delivery. He also suffered a head injury in a separate accident. Also, his house burned down. Jesus. So, the poor guy just dropped it off. Maybe it just adds to your bad luck or multiplies it. <laughs> that, you know, that Simplifies might be it. whatever it is. It just amplifies what you got going on. So, if Maybe. you're not a dick about it, <laughs> you're fine. But if you're power hungry, you're like uber power hungry and then a country wants to th- overthrow you. Yeah. Or, like... If you're already a little... Jury's still out on the car one. Uh, well, if you're a little over the edge, it just pushes you further to like kill your dad and then yourself. Like, that, yeah. Maybe it just amplifies whatever you're putting out there. Which I think that they're... Well, I mean, I know that they're conductive in different ways, but mm-hmm. that would probably be something, be something that wouldn't be too far from... And then we're getting into like uh, some waves, yeah. some wavelengths, and what they mm-hmm. do, and... That kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if that goes. <laughs> I don't know if that goes in hand in hand with like chakras and like auras and stuff like that. But I, I, I guess that's where you break down the scientific to right, right. how that goes. Um, but yeah, bad vibes. That's for sure. At least for the most part. But again, maybe it could have just been shitty owners. It's totally possible. I don't know. How do you feel about the Hope Diamond? Its curse. It's been at the Smithsonian ever since, and the Smithsonian hasn't burned down. True. Um, I think maybe it just wanted to be on display, and it would do whatever it Maybe it just wanted to stop getting cut. That too. I still can't believe that they took it, it from 112 to 45. That's a lot of diamond. I mean, double over, if, they, took, they took off at least. If we have any jewelers listening, tell me how realistic that is, because, I mean, I know nothing about how that process works and i understand like in carpentry sometimes you know you got to cut the wood off to get what you need the right uh-huh. sizes the right shapes but that feels like excessive amount well yeah and were they able to actually cut it cut it or did they just have to grind it at some at different points in time because uh, grinding i mean there's not going to be a whole lot you can do with it right making it a pretty fine diamond powder at that point yeah but then there's also, uh, you know, like lab created, lab created grown, ones. Mm-hmm. we call them lab grown diamonds at this yep. point. I'm not sure what that comes from either. So, so I did a lot of research on that. Well, I say a lot. I did a little bit of research on that because I bought some lab created sapphires uh-huh. and because they're much cheaper mm-hmm. and I wasn't going to do it because I thought they were like fakes basically, but looking into it, it's the exact same natural process that happens it's just done in a lab versus you find it in nature yeah i can't it's just i can't remember what the specific 
things need to be in place environmentally for it to happen, but I know it's a lot of pressure mm-hmm. on certain kinds of rocks and minerals. Yep. So, mm-hmm. that's cool. I'm with it. Yeah. So, curse or no curse? Uh. <laughs> a lot of hands have changed it. A lot of famous people who have famously died have held it. I'm going to say no curse. You want to say no curse? I'm going to say no curse. Tell me why. Because it was with so many big names. And we followed the trail of it so... Well, I mean, at least you know we have traces of it from 1666. Mm-hmm. It's obviously been watched throughout the years. But um, every owner has died, Jordan. Well, true. Even the 1666 owner is dead now. Yes, besides, <laughs> well, unless you call, unless you claim Cartier was an owner, Cartier, Cartier, very true, was an owner. Uh, I just think that it happens to be that the people that did own it and that did die happened to go out in really strange ways. <laughs> Maybe uh, the mailman is a crazy. The one. mailman is crazy. That's pretty nuts. And also, like Evelyn had a real rough go at it too. That I mean, you can't just say that's poor life choices when her whole family crumbles around her. That's yeah. Yeah, but I mean, again, she didn't like the diamond the way it was. She needed to contort it and uh, make it to what she wanted. <laughs> and then put it on a dog. And then put it on a dog. How disrespectful. No. Um, I just... I want to call it bad circumstance, even yeah. though... A little bit of coincidence. A little bit of coincidence. A lot of bad luck. Mm-hmm. I just, there's no way that anything good is going to happen when something that expensive is going through U.S. Postal Mail. Well, we even got affected by it. It stopped our recording. For real. Yeah. The Hope Diamond Strikes Again. Made, it do us, made us do this twice. Yeah, so bad luck. I'll attribute that to it, <laughs> and that is about as far as I'll go. All right. All right. Um, trying to debate on how I feel about it. Although, we also got to look up some other cursed objects. Oh, yeah. I feel Curses like way are more. fun. I mean, to, yeah. I mean, I don't want to be cursed, but, like, no. cursed stories are fun. Uh-huh. Talking about it's cool. I want to say no curse, too. You know what it kind of reminds me of a little bit is um, Blucifer. Blue- at, oh, why does that sound so familiar? It's the, the horse statue at the Denver Oh, yeah, Airport. yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, who killed its owner, and people died trying to set it up as well. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of that. Like, it's just really unfortunate strange circumstances around it but yeah then again there's strange circumstances around a lot of things that we just don't pay attention to Mm -hmm. so i don't know it's it just feels like because it was definitely more a little bit more in the limelight that those things kind of came to light a little bit Mm -hmm. not quicker but it just has a spotlight for it It has a spotlight yeah 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 so that's the hope diamond that's a cool one. We got to definitely do some more cursed objects. Mm-hmm. That's that's cool. I'll will find one for sure. I don't think I'm gonna do that next time. I want to do uh, Wendigo. Oh, that'll be an interesting one. Yeah, that'll be fun. But yeah, I'm definitely looking at some more some more of those because yeah, we've only got two in the books now. This and uh, King Tut, like you said, yeah. And that was a classic. Mm-hmm. So that's that's gonna be a tough one to beat, actually, because that was. All of the stuff surrounding that, that was, was our, super weird. Our second episode. Yeah. 
we should go back and listen to that. Yeah, that's nuts. I wonder how different we sound now versus then. Hopefully not too different, Hopefully but just not. a little bit more polished, much like the Hope Diamond. My <laughs> <laughs> we haven't lost two-thirds of ourselves. That is very true. Um, but yeah, you know, change, change is good. Um, so you're doing when to go next? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And then, yeah, we're still just trying to get some listenership up. Well, listenership is slash um, interactive listenership yeah you want some interaction yeah please people hitting us up we want to hear from you we want to hear your opinions on the show uh we want to hear stories that you guys have you know whether it's in uh encounters with ghosts seeing ufos um you think you had cursed objects in your family yeah grandma told you some weird stories like even if you just want to post it like in a review, give us like so many stars and then tell us your story yeah. or something. Like and thanks any to way our, you can. Thanks to our new sponsor, Anchor. We can, uh, we even have a new way you can do that. Um, if you're listening to us on Anchor platform, you can just hit the message button and leave us a one-minute voice message. Or you can call our voicemail and you can leave us up to a three-minute voicemail. Um, but if it if your story takes longer than that, please keep calling, keep getting it out there because we want your full story, and we'll listen to as many of those voicemails as you send us. Um, but call us at 916-359-9446 for that voicemail. Again, that's 916-359-9446. But Jordan, if they want to type it out instead of calling us, what do they got to do? Please hit me up on Instagram, Creepy Campfire Podcast. Um, you can hit us up at the Jesus Gmail. Yeah, the Gmail. Creepy Campfire Podcast at gmail.com. Um, what else? What That's we, all we got. We got the we got, we got yeah. the Instagram, we got Gmail, we got voicemail, and now we have Anchor. Unless you just want to email us. Yeah. Because that's people have done that too. Absolutely. And feel free to do We got more emails so. than anything, so please do. And get those in. Like I I want to champion a campaign to have a Halloween episode special of just listener stories. Still the goal. Like that would make my heart so happy. And if we keep getting stories in, we'll just have random episodes of just listener stories. And I think that's so fun. Yeah, we might need to like, please send them in. But at this point, we're going to need to stockpile them because we do really want to do a listener episode, a listener story episode. So um, just please, just the more we get, the better. Absolutely. And you can leave your stories anonymous. Um, if you're calling in, just leave your name out of the story. Yeah. Um, but if you're emailing it into us, just let us know, like, hey, um, if you could just leave my name out of it, and we will absolutely do that. Whatever level of discretion you would like. That's right. But I think that does it for this episode. Real quick before we go, Jordan, what is that Instagram handle for your Funkos? Funkos gotta go. That's right. So if you're looking for some yep. Funkos, Jordan's got the hookup. That's right. That's right. I'll be on Twitch soon. I don't have my handle yet. But we'll we'll get that there. to you as soon as it comes out. <laughs> Believe me. But until next time, everybody, stay, stay toasty. toasty.